You remember that show Airwolf? Mm-hmm. Did yep. that inspire you at all? No, but I would uh, I would key the mic sometimes and go. And it would have that, that that screaming sound. Yeah, and then they had like whisper mode on a helicopter. I'm like, if you have whisper mode, why wouldn't you always use it? Right. Hey, I'm Armando Leduc, producer, film actor, and owner of Leduc Entertainment. I have chosen a life off the beaten path and wanted to find others that are doing the same. Spaghetti on the Wall is a show based on all of the years that I've thrown spaghetti on the wall and nurtured what's stuck. We will share fun stories, ideas, tips, tricks, and more. Welcome to Spaghetti on the Wall. What's up, what's up, what's up? Ladies and gentlemen, good morning, good afternoon, and good night, depending on when you are consuming this podcast. Um, We've got an amazing guest today. Uh, Mr. Brian Slade is here. Yeah. No, no, hold on. There we go. You're not hearing any of that. <laughs> I had the uh I had a boom boom, but I was trying to get the uh, the hand clap, so we got the hand clap. What's up, yeah, man? Didn't hear a thing, didn't hear a thing, but I'm here. <laughs> it's good to see you. Likewise, thanks for having me on. Oh man, thanks for being here. So and thank you for your service. Yeah, well, you know, the country's worth it and they do pay me, so it's not all service. <laughs> heard heard are you so and you are active duty correct i am for a few more days uh you know i mean i dropped my papers and uh and then uh, and then then shit gets real so dude that's a uh, um uh, congrats on 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 uh on retiring man that's that's fun yeah 27 years total so i'm ready to turn the page and so what's the goal what what's what's after this well, I mean, I wrote the book and the book was the first, the intent of the book was really to get a word out there for a training that we're doing. And so really I've been, I've been elbow deep in that already for about the last six months. And we're just, I'm just going to keep doing that. So I'm already basically doing what I'm going to be doing in retirement. So, um, so are the, the book that you wrote cleared hot, uh, based on your just you in the uh, in the in the in the throngs of it and um you know kind of tell me a little bit about the book and the why you started writing it in the first place and all of that good stuff well as you mentioned i spent some times in in the throngs <laughs> so i was i was throng deep um and uh basically when i came back from flying the apache downrange in afghanistan and I had a lot of crazy experiences, but when I looked at those experiences and, and what they had done to me, it actually served as, as learning experiences and foundational pieces. And, and I, I thought that I was, yeah, while there was some things that I didn't want to be involved in because it's, it's ugly, you know, a lot of times in the military, you're called to, to be in the ugly and the challenge is to not let that ugly operate inside of you. Right. So, um, there was that, that difficulty, but for the most part, I felt like I was a better person. I would say I, I experienced what we would call post-traumatic stress growth, right? But as I started to look around at my my peers, that wasn't true across the board. And and I started to question, I'm like, well, well these same stimulus, very different, very different results, very different reactions. And that started to make me question things. And so I went and talked to people that pushed their glasses back and got letters behind their names, a lot smarter than me at, at you know, psychology and all that 
And I said, what's the deal here? How come, how come I'm experiencing this? And, and my buddy over here is really having a hard time. I don't, I don't like that, you know? And, and so we really did a deep dive into what I was doing, some of the things I was doing, my history, uh, growing up, all that stuff. And we distilled some lessons out of that, that, that are teachable. And I was like, well, how am I going to get this out to, you know, this is worth this. If we can teach it, let's teach people. Let's teach people how to grow from traumatic experiences instead of be derailed by them, be buried by them. Cause we're seeing that we see that all over. And that's not unique to the military, by the way, obviously trauma is trauma, pain is pain, but military is just a really good, uh, a really good aperture to look at trauma because it's very obvious, but you know, even in my book, I share that a lot of the, the trauma I felt with a strained relationship was much more derailing than, say, blowing up the enemy, right? And so a lot of people can relate to that. A lot of people can relate to a difficult or a caustic relationship, and, and trauma is trauma and pain is pain. So we, we kind of we put those lessons down, and, and I had an epiphany when I was getting an award in a halftime show of a Utah jazz game. And everybody was going nuts, and I was like, holy crap, man, this, th these stories have power to reach people. They don't know me. They don't know anything about me. They're just hearing a little narrative, but they're all standing up and, and clapping, and, and, and it's, base, it's just because of what I represent. It's just because of what, what, what the military and people in the military and other, other jobs are willing to go do People are grateful for that in our country, and I'm grateful that people are grateful for that in our country because it wasn't always the case, right? And it is now. doesn't matter which side of the fence they're on, if they're left or right. For the most part, we get good support as the military, and that wasn't always the case. And so I, when that hit me, how, how powerful these stories are and they could reach everybody, that's when I was like, I need to do something, and that's where book came in. And I'll start with a book, develop something from there, and so I wrote a book. <laughs> what do you feel like? What do you feel like you represent? What I represent to the American people, I think, just pe people that are willing to raise their hand. People that are going to say, "Hey, I'll go." You know, this is their, like that ugly that I was talking about—the thing that you don't really want to be in the middle of, but sometimes we have to be. There's a lot of people that want to raise their hand to do that, and I'm not dogging them for it. I get it. Like, it's not for everybody, but there's an appreciation for the guys that do, and I'm grateful for that. And, and yeah. I think that's what I represented at that moment was here's a guy who raised his hand and this crazy stuff happened. Thank goodness we didn't have to be part of it. But because it happened and, and, and it happens a lot, we're, we're going to clap real loud. We're going to stand up. We're going to support. Right. Because because it's not something that everybody wants to do. It's not right. even something that necessarily we want to do. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I heard that. Just, what drove you into the military? What drove me? I don't know if I should use that term. It drove me. Um, honestly, the military was just kind of, I think I was meant for it, but I didn't realize it at the time. I was always a very uh, adrenaline-fused kid, like tried to get, you know, I was jumping off everything, jumping things, doing, you know, playing sports, doing all that stuff. And uh, also one of eight, and my dad was a teacher. So as you imagine, there wasn't a lot of funds for secondary education. Did you say one of eight? One of eight. eight, one of eight, as God. in the number after seven. I didn't realize, <laughs> I mean, my, my mother is one of eight or nine, nine, yeah. And, uh, you know, I thought that that was like sort of back in the day a little bit, but that's uh, uh, eight, that's that's the army. 
You so you are so yeah. you grew up in the army. <laughs> well, I grew up, I, moved, I moved out of my house at fifteen. Oh, um, wow. you know, I wanted food. No, I'm just kidding. I, I moved out. Just difference in opinion. I never. It wasn't like it wasn't like a hostile move out. Like a lot of people. Oh, you moved out. You must have really got a big. It was just. I didn't agree with certain things, and my dad was like, "Look, you're doing things your own way. That either means you're ready to be on your own, or you're ready to go to juvenile detention, or you need to buck up and, and obey the stuff here. Those are your three options, right?" And I was like, "Okay, I'll just move out on my own." And that was a, a mutual agreement. And uh, and so I've been out since 15, but but like I said, he's a teacher, so he wasn't going to take pay for my college. And so I started looking, how am I going to pay for college? Football offered some scholarships. Um, and but they were they weren't any cover everything and and then uh, I learned about the military and that they could pay for your school and then I started looking into jobs in the military and then I got an incentive flight in a Blackhawk helicopter and uh, when I and and the pilot did what I do when I do incentive flights now tried to make us puke right so um, I loved it I was like here's a roller coaster with no rails and. I want to do this, wow. you know, and so then I went and, and ended up flying and then, you know, I was always patriotic as well. And then 9-11 happened and then it was just solidified everything, crystallized it. I'm like, yep, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to be doing. So you, so you were in, so you were flying when you were in wartime. I was, I was. The book covers, so the book covers a deployment I did as an Apache pilot in the army. After that book, I transitioned to the Air Force, and I currently fly combat search and rescue. So I did both sides of the coin. I, I'm, I blew people up in, in war, and then I picked up people who had been blown up in war and, and brought them back. So I saw what's, both sides of that. What's the what, – what do you feel like – and you might cover this in the book, and, and I'm, I plan on reading it, but – does it be does it feel like you're separated because you're in the helicopter when that's you know when you're in combat as opposed to like being on the ground and actually you know maybe seeing people face to face or so I can only speak from my position I've never been the guy that kicks in the door and there's a guy right there and you shoot him I haven't been that guy right and there's guys that I know the buddies of mine that are that guy and I have the deepest respect because that is really up close and personal right but and of course there's a layer you got air and you got a machine between you and the enemy but many times my machine became compromised due to enemy fire like losing engines and getting things shot out and even my co-pilot took around and shattered his femur and wrapped his leg around our controls I mean so I don't think <laughs> like I did, didn't feel that separated I mean right. because you know we we get We'd get shrapnel on the machine. We'd get holes in our, you know, we'd come, we'd land. Sometimes we knew because we were in the middle of a fight. Sometimes we'd land and we'd have, I remember one time we landed and we looked at the rotor, main rotor blade and there was a hole about that big in the main rotor blade, right? And, and we're like, well, we, we weren't even in a fight today. You know, where'd that come from? You know, so, yeah, I, I don't want to say it felt too distance but i but obviously it's not kicking in the door and looking the guy in the eye and, and and pulling that trigger that's a different that's a different thing and and there's a different level of respect i have for those individuals that are willing to do that right is the mindset when you're in war 
mission focused, right? Like not necessarily, there is no time for emotion, right? It's mission focused. It's, this is the, this is the objective. Let's go, you know, really not much time to think about or, you know, internalize how you feel about it. So I would say yes, but here's what I will, here's, here's the transition now. A lot of people think that the mission when we go over there is all defend, defend the United States or do whatever. And that's what, maybe when you leave, that's what you're thinking. Hey, I'm going, we're going out there to try to make sure we get Osama bin Laden or whatever the mission is, whatever the overarching mission is, that's what maybe gets you out the door. But once you're on, um, once you're on the ground, boots on the ground, once you're in, in hostile territory, that mission quickly shifts to taking care of your brother, right? To making sure we all make it back alive. And I think that that mission shift has been true. I've talked to guys in World War II, you know, I talked to guys in the Korean War, Vietnam War. That mission shift is always true. Because the bottom line is you can go out there with this sense of patriotism and whatever, but that's why they teach, you know, that's why they teach team. That's why we go through boot camp. That's why we go, you fight for your brothers and you always will that's that's where you can that's where you can go shoulder to shoulder because when the when the crap hits the fan the Osama bin Laden mission isn't isn't right in front of you but your brother is right and it, there's a chapter in the book that I call pretzel maneuver and it was it was a, it was a, a day we were flying down what we call the green zone in Iraq the green zone is a safe place in Afghanistan the green zone is where all the bad guys are it's not the safe place right we were purposely flying down the green zone to try to kick a hornet's nest because that's what you do as Apache pilots. You kick hornet's nests and then you try to swap hornets. That's that's literally your job, and that's what we were doing. Well, that's we were crazy. Flying, that's yeah, crazy. That's your job. That's your job, right? He's and like, so, all right, here we go. We're just bumping in right, right in the middle of it to start yeah. some Yeah, yeah, that's what we were doing. And I, I, I asked my wingman, I said, hey, you, instead of flying over the desert to get back to, we were doing some coverage over a, a city called Musa Clay. Instead of flying over the desert, we know where all the bad guys are. They all pushed out of the city that we're covering. We know they're down in the green zone. We know that's where they're at. I was like, instead of flying over the desert, why don't we go up the green zone and see if we can swat some hornets? And they and they were, of course, they were they were on board. Let's let's do it. And so the technique we use is called high low. We had one bird low and the other bird high. The boat bird that's low. It's kind of a lure, right? We're basically saying, look how low and easy we are to shoot. And the bird that is high is kind of keeping an eye over everything. And once it kicks off, then we become a lethal team to deal with. And, and so that was, really, that was really the technique we were using. And we got called from a FOB, a forward operating base. And they said, hey, Apache's over the, over, overhead. We, gotta, we were just taking indirect fire from a, a bongo truck, which is like a, a flatbed truck and a minivan. If they had a love child, that's a bongo truck, right? So they gave us a grid coordinate. We flew over there. We did. We saw the bongo truck, but there was nobody around it. And I was about to report back and say nothing significant to report when all of a sudden I just see stuff lighting up. You know, I see muzzle flashes and everything coming up from the ground. So I start, I said, never mind. And we, we just start engaging. And, uh, and I'm about to call it back to my wingman. As I turn out bound, I, I'm calling it back to him and say, hey, we're taking, we were taking fire, return fire at this and follow, you know, hit my hit is what I was saying to him. And as I turn back and I look back over my shoulder, I, to see him, to find the other aircraft, I see these giant, like, 
I would call them flying basketballs, recoilless rifle rounds coming right at him. Like, and they were coming at a trajectory in the Apache, you don't have a real good look down angle for off your nose. So you, you can't really see down. You can see out, but you can't see down. And so I immediately I told him, break right, break right. And so he breaks. And as he breaks, I swear, I mean, it's all visual illusion. I don't know if it's accurate, how close it was, but it, to me, it looked like if he didn't break right when he broke, that thing was going to, that thing would have take, taken out, come right through the bottom of the helicopter. Right. Cause as he broke, it looked like it just, just missed the air, helicopter. Wow. Right. And so I roll in on that. We call him a poo point of origin. I rolled in on that poo, poo and started engaging. And I told him what was happening. He abbreviates his turn to cover my six. And he sees the same thing from a different poo happening at me directs me to break, right? So I break, he rolls in, I come around, same thing, another poo hitting him, tell him to break, come around, I hit that, he hits it, and it just starts going back and forth and back and forth, and we're never making it all the way through a full circle because somebody else from another point of origin is throwing metal at us, oh, or wow. lead, or whatever you want to call it. There's one point in the, and we listened to the recording, and it was pretty entertaining, and one, well, in hindsight, it's entertaining, um, at one point my, my wingman goes, keys the mic and he goes, oh, RPG, right? And, and I, and I teased him cause his voice cracked. He did all, you know, puberty thing. And I'm like, what was that? And he goes, it already went through your freaking rotor blade. He goes, I saw it and it went right through your rotor disc. And wow. I was like, well, it probably looked like it did, but it, but it was probably, you know, just off or just missed. But then we did the math and it's possible <laughs> that it went through the blades as it was rolled. It, Dude. It's possible, to, and in fact, it was almost as possible to miss as it was to hit. More that so is because the speed of the RPG warhead and how fast that blades are going around and the space between each of them. We did all that geekery math, and it's definitely possible that it went through. And both he and his co-pilot said, "No, man, we saw it. It went through your rotor disc, right?" Wow. And so this engagement continued like that until we ran out of everything we were carrying except for our Hellfire missiles. And I said, hey, we got, I'm Winchester, which means you're out. You're out. I'm Winchester, and we're still taking fire. And I said, never mind, we got hellfires. So we started shooting hellfires into just points of origin to blow up what was going on. The whole reason I tell this story is because, and the reason I do it when I give a speech or whatever is because the question you ask is when you go there, is a mission? Is it mission? Is that what it is? And the answer is yes, but the mission changes. Mission changes. My mission that day was to make sure he didn't get shot down. And his mission that day was to make sure I didn't get shot down. And we were in the middle of an air ambush, a very orchestrated air ambush, the most I've ever been in, in that deployment, and him too. And when we landed, that's what we realized is we were in the kill box the whole time. We stayed in the kill box because we were defending our brother. We came right back on what was hitting them, and then he came right back on what was hitting me. And without either of us, we both would have taken dirt naps because there's no way we would have got out of that kill box. And, and I, I asked him, I said, dude, did you ever think about breaking contact? He goes, no, because they were shooting you and I had to kill what they was killing you. And I said, that's what I, I didn't think about it either because they were shooting you. Breaking contact, meaning what? Meaning leaving the area? So if you, yeah, so in, in, in an ambush, you want to get out of the kill box. And you fight it from the outside in instead of the inside out, right? Right. But we were dead center in that kill box, meaning all the, all the firing positions were designed to hit us 
in this what you know it's a a box a three-dimensional box if you will of of corresponding crossing fires right so designed to, to shoot down an aircraft and quite honestly they should have they should have they should have absolutely got at least one of us if not both and i think nine times out of ten they would have to be honest it, that was it was that good it was a good ambush um but you only need one out of ten and we took it back and we did the lessons learned and quite honestly you know it's easy to go back and when you because we laid we, we kicked some butt that day i mean they went the guys went down the, the ground guys and said they couldn't even count how many bad guys it was just it was a it was a lot and and we went back and we debriefed our unit and this is a this is a lesson and even in business right so a lot of times we win but we did it the wrong way right we won but we did it the wrong way and in those moments you got to stop from doing the pat on the back and, and really tear it tear it apart and say okay what should we have done right and we did that and then like about four or five days later somebody else got into a very similar ambush they broke contact immediately and attacked it from the outside instead of from the inside and so that that might have been one of the nine out of ten where they ended up but because we shared that lesson because we talked through and didn't just pat ourselves on the back and sit there with the hubris of hey we will always win then hopefully you know it, the other guys lived to fight another day but but yeah to answer your question the mission is what you focus on but that mission changes it's a dynamic rolling target if you will you remember that show airwolf mm -hmm. did yep. that inspire you at all no but i would uh, i would key the mic sometimes and go because if you remember, that was the sound. And it would have that, yeah, that, yeah. that screaming sound when it got, Ethan over here is 21. He has zero idea what the hell I'm talking about. It's like, yeah, and then they had like the whisper mode that? on a helicopter. I'm like, if you have whisper mode, why wouldn't you always use it? Right. I just, I always remember just that yelling, that, that, and it would just, and it was going. Yep, which no helicopter, helicopter makes. No helicopter. Right. No, no. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think what, what is the, uh, how fast were, how fast does, do those, uh, Apache helicopters go? I mean, it depends because helicopters are, well, not unlike planes, but helicopters more so are depending on the heat, the altitude, the gross weight, our max, our velocity not to exceed or V and E can change quite a bit. We usually flew around about 130, 140 knots, which is like, I don't know. 150 miles an hour, something like that. That's cool. That's but we cool. didn't make that noise. That's it was with our voice. You just did it just with your mouth, though. You're all like, yeah. And, and your co-pilot's like, well, yeah. why are you saying, why are you doing that? He's like, Airwolf, baby, I'm not gonna Airwolf. Lie. I'm not going to lie. You pretty much sound exactly like that. I did, right? Pretty <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to create a, a, a sound effect. Can uh, let's, let's, for the edit, can we please find the Airwolf sound effect? So we can just like, it's going to sound almost exactly like you just did pretty that. much <laughs> airwolf. Uh, wasn't Michael Ironside in that? I wouldn't know. I'm not an actor was, guy. I, uh, I believe he, Michael Ironside. Cause so funny. Cause I did a movie with him. Um, oh God, it was a terrible movie it's called mutants. Don't watch it. But what you should do is you should get on IMDB and listen and read the, the reviews Cause boy, they rip that movie apart. I play a I play a Russian scientist. 
Sergey. Yeah. Who creates he creates this uh, uh, sugar that is more addictive than cocaine, and uh, sugar ends up turning people into these like zombies, like twenty eight days later zombies, and then uh, yeah. you know, and then they go crazy. So it's it's a movie, but whatever. I digress. But Michael, I think I believe Michael Ironside was in Airwolf. Uh, maybe you can Google. Is he it the old guy? Now. Um, not at that time he was. I think he. I think he passed away. Well, there, there was there was the main guy that flew the and had the squinty eyes and everything, and then there was the old guy that's in lots of movies and stuff who was like his, I don't know, co-pilot or something. He, yeah, you know, I believe, I don't know, somebody's gonna watch the podcast and be like, dude, it was there, and this is what he did, and blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, yeah, it's great, I love it because yeah. you have Google right there, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um. All right. So, and you live in Vegas. How's that? How you like living in Vegas? It's great during the winter. Um. During the summer, <laughs> there's better places to be. But, I, Oof, yeah, I live I in Vegas. Not. I don't know if I'm going to stay here. I'll probably move up into southern Utah. That's where my family's all in Utah. So That's cool. You gamble? Eh, I mean, I'll play cards. You know, I like I, I like some Texas Hold'em. In fact, one of the chapters we talked about playing play Texas Hold'em downrange to kind of, you know, knock the edge off and also pay for my monsters that I needed to drink. And, and uh, so, yeah. I play little cards. I mean, I I would imagine, you know, surviving, you know, such an ambush, you'd feel super lucky. So I'd be living at the game. I'd be living at the casino. <laughs> you know, the crazy part of that whole engagement, and it was really probably the most, well, not probably, it was the most choreographed engagement. I was on lots of engagements and lots of fights with the enemy. And, and that one by far was the most, lethal potential and we landed I was I was certain we would have been looked like Swiss cheese because we come home with holes a lot like we come home y'all didn't get hit yeah there wasn't one bullet hole in either aircraft what we went through that I said don't do it again do it again. were you guys fighting stormtroopers you know you know what it reminded me of have you ever watched Shanghai Nights and, and yes. the, 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 Owen, Owen Wilson's character can't shoot worth anything. Yeah. And at the end, he goes in, he's going against the bad guy, and he's shooting the guy. He's just He's like, I had one bullet. He had like 50 bullets, blah, 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 right? And then at the end, he, he doesn't get hit. And he, and he just goes, I am invincible, right? And so <laughs> it was kind of like that. But I made the joke, and I have to be careful because this is cancel culture, but I go, I, tell, I, said to, I said to Jeff, the, my, my, the pilot, I was like, well, I just guess that means God's greater than Allah because holy crap, right? And, and here's the joke. Allah it means God. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Allah no, I get you. God, I got right? it. So yeah. it's just God is greater than God. It doesn't sure. really carry the weight, the weight that's out there. But it was just a, a Hey, look, saying, you're in it? Whatever, man. I can't, I can't, tell, I can't tell you what to say and, 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 and how to think and how people, people these days are just way too sensitive about words. Well, I agree. And, and here's something that, that, that people just can't really come to grips with unless they've been there. When you're in those, like I said, war is ugly. War is ugly. You, you develop almost a dark humor to cope with it. hundred percent. And, and, and humor Humor is hugely therapeutic. It's hugely uh, beneficial. So 
you know, it's easy to sit home from an armchair and, and be like, hey, how dare they say that? That's just so insensitive or whatever. And like, it has nothing to do with the people. It has nothing to do with anything. It's really just, we're in something crazy that doesn't make any sense. We're just going to throw some jokes out there to laugh, right? And it's as simple as that. And I don't, I don't, I don't judge it. Definitely don't judge it. So you were talking about post-traumatic stress, stress growth. Yeah. Um, I love that. Is this, is this something that's been coined? Is this something that you made up? Is this is the first time I made it I thought it I did. I thought I made it up. Yeah. And then I started looking it up, and it turns out it's a, it's a real thing. So Okay, cool. Yeah, so I, at first I was like, hey, I, I think I've experienced post-traumatic stress growth. And, and, you know, everybody I said it to was like, oh, I've never heard that. And I was like, yeah, it's because I made it up. And then I looked it up, and I was like, oh, I'm a liar. I didn't. Well, that's so, all right. You still made it up. Doesn't mean that, you know, doesn't mean... There's a uh, there's a phrase that I use is is uh, you're preaching to the preacher, so uh, please you know uh, keep keep using it. See if people see if it catches on. But uh, no, but, yeah, and, and and I'm not the only one that experienced that growth. There were guys I flew with that are the same way, and so a lot of times, and this is something that I hate. I feel like there's this big per- perception that it's a foregone conclusion when a man goes to war or a woman, they're going to come back as a broken version of themselves. That's a foregone conclusion in a lot of people's eyes, right? Not everybody's, but in a lot of people's eyes, that's a foregone conclusion. And here's the deal with trauma. Can, we can all agree that trauma is powerful. I don't think anybody's gonna argue with that. Trauma is powerful. It has the power to weigh you down. It has the power to even make you feel like you're, you're so overwhelmed by it that you're willing to take your own life, right? That's power. That's real power. But what I, the analogy I always use is a lightning bolt hits you dead in the head and you're dead, right? That's just the way it is. That's power. It will fry you. But a lightning bolt captured and redirected can light a city, right? That's power. Did you come up with that? Huh? Did you come up with that? That's me. That's me. I love that. That's great. no, don't Google it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody else said it before, but I'm pretty sure that one's me. That's great. I love that. So don't swallow the lightning bolt. Redirect it. And that's and that's what I, you know, the training that we're doing now is really letting guys accept that experience is for us. Not It happens for us, not to us. And whether it's good experience, bad experience, there's, there's growth that can come from that. And that's all that is, is redirecting that lightning bolt. The trauma is your superpower. Right. Trauma can be your superpower. When we see people like, oh, so and so was grew up in this terrible situation and then this happened to him and then this happened to him. And despite all odds, they ended up being this amazing person. And I say bullshit. That is bullshit. He did not become that amazing person despite all odds. He became that amazing person because of all odds. Right. Those things were his building block. And now they're the foundation of the best version that guy can be, right? Hallelujah. So, glory. <laughs> Hallelujah, man. You, Yeah, preach. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, the, look, thought process, perspective, mindset, you know, it, it, it really is about the lens you put on your face every day, right? People ask me, Armando, I... You're so positive every day. Every day can't be a great day. I'm like, it's a fantastic day. It's a fantastic yeah. day because I'm focused on the good things and, and, and the gratefulness. And, you know, if I wanted to focus on the I can. 
Easy. I can easy. That's, that's super to do. easy. You know, but right. I choose to put the lens on of you know of these rose-colored glasses. I don't watch the news. You know, I I I I immediately unfollow people that have just a negative, you know, negative outlook on life on social media. You know, yeah. and therefore I just you know I stay I stay motivated and and you know and I and look I've had I've had a lot of had a lot of I mean not not getting shot at in a helicopter, <laughs> you know, but I, you know, I got my own traumas and, and, and bullshit happened in my life, you know, but I love that idea of, you know, redirecting that trauma into something that's more positive, more motivating, more, how can I use this to propel myself forward and not, you know, not hold myself back. Yeah. I used to work with an old guy who would always say, make it a great day instead of have a great day. Right. And I, when I was younger, I was like, why do you say it so weird? You know, it's just a weird way to say it. Right? This is an old guy way to say it. And then as I got older, I was like, that guy was spot on. Yeah. You, you make it a great yeah. day. And you can any day, every day, like you just said, can be a great day. And it's all about perspective building. You know, that the story that I use to teach this is, is when I first went to Afghanistan with this book was my first deployment. I've been back multiple times since. And, and I flew the Apache and then I transitioned to the Air Force and flew combat search and rescue, like I mentioned. So it was in different capacities, too. But I've been back multiple times. But the first time I went, I was the guy, the first guy in our unit. They call it advan ad ad the advanced party. Like we went ahead of everybody to get it all set up, me and two other guys. Neither of us, all three of us had never been to war before. So we didn't really know what to expect. And we're in the back of a C-17 strapped down with our, with our Apaches that are, that are folded in and everything. We had three Apaches in the C-17. And we descended into Bagram, Afghanistan, and landed in the morning. It was just it, dawn, right? Just The sun wasn't up, but it wasn't dark. And uh, as the back of that clamshell started to open, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I've never been to war before, but I think in my head, I was like, oh, it's going to be nasty. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be... It's war. That's what it's going to be. And as that thing opened, and it was kind of like out of a movie because my eyes weren't, weren't were dark adapted. And so when it, it was just this piercing light, I couldn't see anything. And I had to like focus. And as I focused, the first thing that hit me was it didn't stink. And I just assumed it was going to stink. I'm like, it's war. It's going to smell bad. But it didn't. It smelled clean. It smelled nice. And then as, the, as it continued to go down, I saw mountains with snow on them that looked like the Rocky Mountains. They were beautiful. And I was like... Did we land in Utah? What the heck happened? What, where am I? And when it got out, I was like, yeah, it's, that's not what I expected. Now I'm flying missions over those mountains and looking down at them. And I'm a snowboarder and, and snowmobiler. And I'm just like, oh, that's an awesome line. Oh, I'd take it. That'd be a sweet jump there. That, look at that powder. All this beauty. And then you get called into a troops in contact, which is a tick call, troops in contact. And immediately... <laughs> Hold on, I'm sorry. You got poo, you got tit. Was it, uh, is it, is what it? Tit? It was tick. Oh, Troops tick. I thought you said tit. I was like poo and then tit. No, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, we, we, that's all on purpose. Anyway, guy calls. Apache in the area, we're taking fire, effective fire from the one, one, two, zero. Unable to return because their heads are down. We need immediate suppression. Well, that, that feeling of beauty just went to holy crap. We got, we got stuff that's happening. So yeah, that's what we do. We're gonna come in, where's your position? Where's the enemy? What are we gonna do? You can hear him keying the mic. You can hear the, the energy in his voice. You can even hear gunfire in the background. You know, 
stuff is happening and then they call us in with the big guns and we make stuff happen we're in the gunfight that is now our focus is the gunfight the mountains are long in the back of our head the, the, the that beauty is all back there and the ugly is all right in front of us and him on the ground his head down in the dirt or wherever he is behind behind cover and concealment even more in that gunfight focused on that gunfight it's all you can see is that gunfight and that's what we do in life we get in gunfights and we focus on it and we get we get fooled into thinking that that is the reality that is all there is and that is not the truth because that gunfight will end that is finite guess what's never changed in the middle of that gunfight the beauty of those mountains I don't know if you can hear the jets going overhead but yeah, uh that, that's not a special effect that was real jets. Right? all of a sudden uh, I'm hearing and I'm proud to be an American <laughs> where I leave that right I oh, got yeah like no that wasn't a special effect that was a real jet there might be another one here in a minute but the mountains never went away. The beauty never went away. That's the infinite. That's what's there. And I even say the further you get up, the bigger your perspective, the be more, more beautiful it gets. Like if, if you get up, you know, 30,000 feet, you look, I don't care if you're over the ugliest place in the planet. You start to see the curvature of the earth. It's beautiful in every direction, right? It's just beautiful. And that's not going anywhere. No matter how many gunfights are beneath you, that beauty is infinite. And if you go even further, and I haven't ever done this, but if I was in space, I would imagine that looking at the earth and everything else, what kind of a beauty and majesty would that be? And the cool part about thinking about it that way is once you get that far away from it and your perspective is raised that, that far, that high, there is no direction. It's not beautiful in every direction. It just is. It just is beautiful. There's no direction. There's no up. There's no down. There's no east. There's no north. It's just beautiful. And if that's your perspective, then it's really easy to deal with the gunfight. It's really easy to realize that the gunfight is something you're getting through. And that when you look back, when you look backwards in your life and, and, you, and you start marking where you grew and what you learned and how, how, how you became who you are in the good ways, you'll realize biggest lessons are after obstacles. The biggest lessons, the biggest growth happened when something bad happened, you got through it or something self-imposed like a goal an obstacle that you achieved now you had that growth so you need to start to be able to see that play it forward and understand that the mountains never go anywhere yeah bring on the gunfight gunfights for me the gunfight for me right it's so i can grow that's what it's there for All right so you know that's for that's that for what's that for what that is worth i think that's a big part of experiencing post-traumatic stress growth versus damage which i call damage instead of disorder because i don't think guys are broken i think they got some damage maybe but they're not broken it's just it's just how you experience it it's just how you digest it don't swallow the lightning bolt amazing uh brian tell us where where we can find you i we could take this on i mean we're already <laughs> over time but um tell us where we can find you uh where they can get the book and uh because i know uh, there's we've have apparel lines chair flying you know your nonprofit. i mean there's just just so much to unpack here so uh but where where where, where can they go to uh to find out more about you to read the book and uh and, and connect with you well the book's real easy you just go on amazon and look at cleared hot you can get it and it's on audio now i mean it will be in the next week or two so i don't know when this airs but the audio book will be out um in, in a week or two on audible and spotify before you go to did spotify, you do the audio did you it's me nice <laughs> 
It's me. That's why it took so long because it, I give mad props to guys that do that because that is not easy. Yeah, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, so yeah, that's out. And then uh, you mentioned the nonprofit. We have a nonprofit that that pays for the training for the, that we're talking about this transformation training, and that's new. That's early in its inception. So the best way, if you want to contribute to that at this point, is is to uh, is to find. Find me on my socials, and it's Brian Slade at LinkedIn and uh, Facebook and Instagram. I'm on all those. And if you reach out direct to me, I'll tell you how to do that and how to get that stuff done. But, yeah, that's that's the next chapter forward, and we're building that, and that is really changing people. They're coming out, and then I've had several people say, this is my last thing. I was about ready to suck start a 9mm, and now I'm ready to go forward in my life. That was just a gunfight. This is the mountains. Let's do it. Wow. You know? That's amazing, man. Um, one of uh, one of my favorite episodes to date. I'll tell you that. Um, thanks, uh, thanks so much for being here, Brian. Super, super motivational. I know I feel good, uh, guys. Make sure that you guys check out Brian Slade, uh, his book, and uh, all kinds of good things that he's got coming out. So, um, and that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. This is Spaghetti on the Wall, brought to you by LaDuke Entertainment. For all of your digital marketing needs, videos, we got you, social media. And uh, we'll see you all next week on Spaghetti on the Wall.